Our Torah reading calendar is set up so that when it's darkest outside, when the days are shortest and the nights are longest, and we begin to feel perhaps the same opaque, heavy gloom that plagued the Egyptians, we come to the story of Joseph. There was so much discord between Joseph and his brothers that they couldn't even speak to him. They threw him into a pit, leaving him there to starve, but then settled for selling him into slavery. He was framed by his master Potiphar's wife and then thrown into prison. Joseph knew what it meant to face the darkness, to be encompassed by the night. But Joseph's superpower was the language of dreams, the kind of divine prophecy that can only be accessed in the dark of night as we sleep. The visions that he saw even as a young boy showed him that no matter how bleak his life, that he was destined for greatness. We learn of his first dreams in our Parsha today, Parshat Vayeshev, the sheaves of wheat and celestial bodies that foretell Joseph's rise to power. Knowing that one day his parents and brothers would all bow to him, gave him the strength to contend with the constant bullying and acrimony they shared. And as much as we need our dreams to give us light where we cannot find it, to give us hope when all we feel is despair, sometimes even our nighttime visions can't pull us up out of the pit, away from the prison of our homes or our minds, far from the funk that pervades our consciousness. In fact, just the opposite. It warns us to get ready for more darkness. Next week in Parshat Miketz, Pharaoh is granted divine visions of the future, but he cannot interpret them. Joseph is brought out of his dark cell to illuminate the truth that Pharaoh's seven healthy, sturdy cows consumed by seven ill, scrawny ones who didn't benefit at all from the ample nutrition and the seven healthy and seven shriveled ears of grain that met the same fate pointed to none other than than Egypt's agricultural and economic future. As Joseph explained, seven years of abundance were about to begin, with seven years of fertile crops, healthy animals, and plenty of food and water to go around. But then overnight, famine would strike. Egypt's land would be cursed so that the years of plenty would be forgotten. If Egypt didn't act immediately to begin collecting and storing food, Pharaoh's kingdom would never survive. And so because of this divine prophecy, Pharaoh, with Joseph's help, prepared for the seven years of scarcity. Genesis 41 teaches us, And Joseph gathered all the grain of the seven years that the land of Egypt was enjoying and stored the grain in the cities. He put put in each city the grain of the fields around it. So Joseph collected produce in very large quantity, like the sands of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. In the Torah, God granted visions to Pharaoh so that he could prepare during the seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine. And instead of only focusing on just the royal family or just his kingdom, Joseph was able to support the entire region through the period of famine, including his own family who journeyed down from Canaan in search of something to fill the emptiness in their bellies and in their souls. But as we all know, we are not granted similar visions. We don't know when our economy will be healthy and when it will buckle. And though most of us do our best to prepare for tough times, too many families in our midst 
lack the financial resources to put away any extra funds. Before COVID-19, 35 million people in our country, including nearly 11 million children, lived in a food insecure household, according to a report from Feeding America. Now, as a result of almost a year living under the pandemic, millions of people are experiencing food insecurity for the first time. Many of our fellow Americans in the food and service industries or in small business have lost their jobs. Others make the excruciating choice to give up wages so that they can stay home with their kids who have health risks and can't go to school in person. Perhaps they're older, they live alone, and are afraid to go grocery shopping or need care that they cannot afford. This week, I met with the incredible staff members at the Jewish Family Service and leaders of Jewish institutions in our community over Zoom to talk about acute hunger needs. And though we spent some time addressing new ways to support those who are in need in the greater Dallas area, most of our conversation was turned inward at the aching families in our own schools and synagogues who are facing new and scary times. The greatest hurdle that we face in helping these families, the JFS staff told us, is the stigma of hunger. Folks who face hard times believe that it's their fault or that it's shameful to need help. It can feel like utter defeat and failure to know that the ones you love most in the world who depend on you for food, stability, and shelter and care can't get what they need. But the truth is, it's not your fault and you are not alone. And if you need help, we are here for you. If it's too difficult to call JFS on your own, you can give any of us, any of the Clay Kodesh a call and we will help you connect. The rabbis of the Midrash were taken by the very first human experience of darkness. On the sixth day of creation, God breathed life into Adam, created Eve from his rib, and then ceased creating before preparing to rest on the seventh day. And though the sun had already set and risen for several evenings and mornings, this was the first time that Adam and Eve saw the rays of light begin to disappear from the sky. As darkness set in, the rabbis of the Babylonian Talmud and Tractate Avodah Zarah imagined that Adam and Eve believed that the world was ending. Because of their sin, the sin of eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge, they thought that they had caused the world to return to its primordial state of chaos and disorder. I imagine this is how it feels sometimes to find oneself in the desperate pain of hunger. How easy it must be to blame oneself, to assume that it's because of our own sin that our pantries and refrigerators sit empty. Of course, it feels like the world is ending when we cannot provide for ourselves and for our families. But another Midrash imagines a different ending to the story. Bereshit Rabbah tells us that as the darkness swallows Adam and Eve, that God places two flints on the ground in front of them which they strike together and light comes forth. As they marvel at one another, flames dancing in their eyes, they praise God, Borei Meorei Ha'esh, who creates the illuminations of the fire. What we all hope is that we never have to feel that pull, that gravity 
toward the opaque darkness that points all the way back toward primordial chaos and despair. Rather, we hope that when our resources falter and our well-being is at risk, that we can pick up the flints in front of us and use them to illuminate our next step. If you need help, let's take that next step together. Let us hold one another in this darkness and remind each other how to find the light once again. Let us use the tools set before us to drive away despair and lift each other up toward reclaimed dignity and newfound hope. Shabbat Shalom and Chag Sameach.